Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Leon Fontaine. Leon is senior pastor of Springs Church with locations across Canada. He's also been Miracle Channel CEO since 2010. Leon's teaching will help you develop your own personal relationship with Jesus and walk in God's promises. You can watch his program, Leon Fontaine, The Spirit Contemporary Life, weekdays on Miracle Channel. Let's dive into the message. Today we're going to be talking about how crucial it is for you to begin to think beyond what's normal for you, to think bigger, to go further than you've ever dreamed you could go, and it's important. Now, the world is filled with small thinkers, people who will never take a risk. These are the people who are always saying, oh, be realistic. They mean just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, they'll always say things like, oh, you think you're better than us, or stick to the safe job, the secure job. Things are different now. They're harder now. Or I tried that. Why would you try that business? It didn't work for me. Or this is good enough. Why are you so unhappy? Why are you dissatisfied? The Bible says we should be content. And this culture, it literally shuts down God's ability to raise up great leaders. So, you've got to think bigger. God has always had to get his people to think bigger. You take any person in the Bible, pretty much, and I'll show you where God had to take them on a journey of thinking bigger, thinking beyond their own ability, actually beginning to believe for the impossible. Moses is a great example. When you look into Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 23 to 25, this is what he says to Moses. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you shall dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. God didn't say he was going to do it for him. He said he's going to do it through him. He's saying, before you. In other words, when Moses goes and does what God says, people bigger than him, better than him, mightier than him, etc., would all be dispossessed. Moses would win. He says, every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness to Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, to the western sea, the Mediterranean, your territory shall be. Then he says, there shall no man be able to stand before you. The Lord your God shall lay the fear and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread, as he has said to you. God is saying here, when people become your enemy, when people rise up against you, they will sense and know, oh boy, what have I done? Because they're going to run into God's power all over your life. Then in Joshua chapter 1, God is now talking to Joshua, and in there, he teaches him to be courageous, to begin to think bigger, that God's going to take him places he never dreamed possible. God wants you and I to think bigger, believe him for bigger. 
To Abraham, he said things like, that your descendants are going to be as many as the stars. You're going to be the father of nations. God had to get Abraham to think bigger. Yet, he didn't even have a child at the time. Gideon, who considered himself the lowest in the country and the lowest family, uh, and he was the lowest in his family, God says, oh, mighty man of valor. I mean, God, Esther, she wasn't just a beautiful looking queen. He had to get her to begin to think, maybe why you're put here is for such a time as this. There's a purpose to your life just other than your good look. She was gorgeous. She was picked out of a country and spent months preparing herself to look even better. Everything was about her beauty and how gorgeous she was. And yet God had to make her think to a bigger cause, a bigger purpose. Think of the disciples when they followed Jesus. These are just businessmen and doctors and and, and, and fishermen, and not in their mind did they think, we're going to go change the world. We're going to take the message of Jesus and change the world forever. Yet 12 ordinary men went and changed the world because Jesus began to make them think bigger. When you get into God's word, did you know that God requires you to think bigger? It's not a sign of humility to stay quiet and small and don't get up and get involved. This timidity is not on the Christian life. We're not called to be timid and, and cowards and back off. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith... Faith is for believing things you don't have. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, the evidence of things not seen. If you've got something already, see, I've got an iPad. I don't need to believe for one. I've got one. So I don't need to use faith for an iPad. I'm looking at one. I'm teaching from one. So faith is for things you don't have which means faith is always in front of you believing for greater, for bigger, for more. Yet, we got a ton of Christian theology that's trying to make Christians just be a bunch of nice guys, sit back and do nothing and be satisfied. No way. The very definition of faith says if you want to please him, then you've got to be continually believing. Every level that you rise to in God, once you're there, you no longer need faith. So if it's financial strata, if it's business, leadership, if you're on a team like our television team, our church team, we should all be believing to go doing greater things and greater things. And every time we're at a new level, something within us ought to be saying, let's do greater. Let's get together and dream bigger. Let's go do something no one's ever done before. This is what the Spirit of God does within you and I. Yet religion tries to make you say, oh, just be patient and, and just relax and be content. And now it's taking beautiful verses out of context. No, all through the word, God is challenging us to have vision. Vision is to see something you don't have further down the road. You know, our five senses are kind of amazing. You know, if I hear a noise, like if I go, the noise I just made is in the present time. I'm hearing that now. If I want to taste this table, that taste is in the now. If I want to smell, I smell, I smell fire. That fire is burning now. If I touch something, I'm touching it now. But eyes have the ability to see 
where they're not. Right now, I'm sitting at this table, but I'm looking around this studio, and if I want to walk over and get a drink of water, I, my eyes can fasten on the water cooler, the glass, and I'm not there yet, but I am seeing into my future. And then I get up from this table, I walk over there, and I am now where I saw myself being. So the word vision, the vision is the one of the five senses. You can look ahead where you're not, but you're going. And so it means the same for our lives. You need to have a vision for where you're going to go. Literally, vision means wherever you are today, don't stay there. You're going to get bored. You're going to fall into sin. You're going to, no, you need to take where you are and go bigger, go better. God's spirit is upon you. Vision is not thinking about where you are where you want to be. So Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people will just start perishing. You know, one of the things at Springs Church, this church that I pastor with Sally, my wife, and, and the Miracle Channel where I'm the CEO and and every organization that we run, I love having staff around me that'll just start dreaming about where we can go and what we can do. And, and let's, let's work on this. What do you think about that? Just believing that every department we've got is going to go be world-class, do things we've never dreamed possible before. And I love them thinking that way, believing that way. I love hearing their ideas. I love them the smile on their face when I start dreaming. I want to see them start dreaming. Why? Because vision has been commanded. Where there's no vision, people perish. People get bored at their jobs when there's no longer a vision for the future. They get bored at their jobs when, when there's just nothing to plan for, to do the same old you've always done. Now, we all have to labor and be patient because there's always going to be times of just hanging in there and working hard, and then all of a sudden, suddenly, things change and move on. We need vision. Where there is no vision, people perish. Now, when you think about God's thoughts, you're always going to be thinking about greater, bigger. The Bible's very clear that there's nothing little about God. If you think that this earth is beautiful and has got incredible things, think about heaven. If you think a relationship with your friend, your spouse is beautiful and gorgeous, think about a relationship with God. Wow, everything about God is bigger, further. I want you to start believing again because the enemy would like to take fear and grind you down and make you not try. If you've had a dream and you've attempted it and you went bankrupt, you tried marriage, they left you. You tried having a child and you were unsuccessful or maybe you lost them. Life has a way of trying to make us stop and just live within our parameters now. We should be happy where we are. Being content is powerful because to be discontent means you'll make wrong decisions. I'm content with what Sal and I have built in our family, our home, our ministry. But at the same time of being content and peaceful and happy and excited, there is this vision that pushes us, that says we can touch more people for Jesus. We can raise up the leaders this world's never seen. World-class leaders, these young men and women around us, they can, be, they can do with their lives what they hardly ever dream possible. We've got to begin to think God's thoughts. We've got to begin to think higher, bigger, further than we do today. Now in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Now unto him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is working in us. What is that power that's working in us? It's Jesus. It's the Spirit of God. But it's only as we believe. 
I'm trying to provoke your faith today to get up and say, I'm going to do greater. I want to be a part of a great church. I, you know, if, you haven't got, if you're not a part of a great church, get out there and start going to one until you find one. Well, what's a great church, Leon? Uh, is it one that serves me the most? No, so many people are jumping from church to church trying to find a church that looks after them the best. I'm not interested in a church to look after me. I mean, I want them to. If we need a hospital, it'll be a hospital. If you need to be taught and you need a college, church will be a college. But more than anything, it'll train and equip you to join us and do great things. Link your skills, link your abilities. Feel excited about rolling up your sleeves and joining a church that is winning the lost, that's going to the world, that is doing something. That's what a great church is. And so I want to challenge you. Get out there and do something. Don't let your marriage slide into the doldrums. Talk to one another. What should we do for the kingdom of God? What are you dreaming about? Have a dream for your holidays. Have a dream for your kids. Have a dream for being together. What's your dream? What does marriage look like to you? Or has marriage already become, well, I just want to be a little bit together and get away from them because we don't have much to think about or talk about. Maybe just sit down and say, what do you see is the best marriage a person could ever have. What does it look like? You know, your spouse might say it's it's laughing and going for walks. It's it's holding and being romantic and holding hands. It's it's dreaming. It's it's knowing what the other person's going through and sharing it with one another. Like, what is it that you see in, that a marriage should be like? And then talk to one another. If you're in a business team, you own your own business. Talk to your spouse, your partners. Where do you see this business going? If you could have your dreams, what would your business look like? Talk about that. Look at that. Because God wants you to dream. He wants you to see where you are and where can you go from here? God is able to do things far beyond what you could even imagine. Now, big thinkers who crash and burn, there's always going to be somebody say, well, you know, I tried my own business. I tried doing things greater and we just crashed and burned. Things didn't go well. I always tell them they need to bring management skills into your dream. As you think bigger and are looking at things that you believe you can do, go get the, the skills. Go recognize you can learn from others. You know, in Matthew 25, verse 15, it talks about a master who gives talents or a certain amount of resource, gold, money, to three of the people who work for him. And he gave it to them according to their own ability. One guy had an ability for five. So he could handle five, God gave him five. Another had the ability of two. Because he could handle two, God gave him two. The other guy had an ability for one. So because he had an ability to handle one, God gave him one. Now it's interesting to note how each of these people looked at what to do with this finance that God, this master, gave them. The guy with one just felt like he should protect it and save it. So he buried it in the ground. Now, the guy with five, he took his ability of five and he went out and created and made ten. Now he's got the ability of ten. If you're going to go do great things, <clears throat> you must change. You must grow. You must add skills to your giftings. You must read, learn. This is exciting. It's so much fun to get out there and to do this. I have found big thinkers who crash and burn are too lazy to go learn off of others, to develop the skills, to go to school, to read a book. We'll offer courses at our church, and <clears throat> courses on having better marriages, courses on handling money, and often the people that I see there are the best marriages in our church. Or the people that I see there are people who are great at giving and they're already handling their finances well. Why? 
because they've learned something. If you want to go do great things for God, develop the skills. Because the things that you're going to run, God can give you an incredible company. Now you've got to run it. God could give you a quarter million dollar job a year with a corner office, but now the company you work for is expecting you to produce. And so just like the guy with five went out and made five, the guy with two went out and made two more. And so you literally change your abilities as you link up with God and you begin to dream bigger. You literally attract all the knowledge that you need. The people that you need to do bigger things will begin to come into your life. The courses that you need, the books that you need to read, the people that you need to be around to teach you and equip you, they seem to come. The Chinese have a saying that when the pupil is ready, the teacher will come. I find that very true, that every time I begin to believe God for something bigger, something greater, he brings someone into my life, a book, a tape series. I begin to, people begin to talk to me about, I've always dreamed about this, and they've got skills I'm looking for. It's amazing that when you begin to dream and apply yourself and develop these skills to do greater things, that all that you need is attracted to you. But the guy with one, he went out and buried it. He had no dream to increase that one talent. He had fear that he would lose it and he would look bad. Today, one of the greatest fears upon this planet is the fear of failure. People are so afraid of what others will say if they attempt it. You know, Sal and I, we run a number of sites of Springs Church and studios and, and private schools and we're running a television ministry around the world. And, and you know, we've stepped out and attempted things with a gulp in our throat going, well, let's go do this thing. And we don't care if it fails. I would rather be out doing the adventure. And if someone else goes, oh, look at that, they tried that and they failed. Usually those armchair quarterbacks, they, they remind you of the guys who watch the football game with great big beer bellies. They're so out of shape they couldn't touch their toes. Haven't seen their shoes in years. But they're the experts on what that quarterback should do with the play. He's out there training, playing the game. He can run, pass. He's thinking, I mean, it's, and don't become an armchair quarterback where you're critiquing everybody that tries something. Get up and try something with your life. Get up and do something. Get a part of a winning church, a winning team. Pick a career that has the greatest impact for God. Stop looking for a, just a place of peace and a place of refuge. Oh, I understand what the Bible teaches about refuge and, and still waters and green grass. But if I've got to sit there and drink still waters and lay in green grass and eat green grass, and that's all I do with my whole life, I'm going to get bored silly. I want to find those places, yes, of rest and relaxation, only to get up again and go. Go dream and try these great gifts that God's given all of us. Develop the skills God's placed within you. It all comes down to getting a vision, thinking bigger. The enemy is going to harass you with thoughts and ideas of fear and failure because he is scared you're going to attempt something bigger than you've ever attempted before, that you might give more to your local church. You know, giving is an interesting thing. So many people are afraid to give. They won't start tithing to their local church. They won't give like to the ministry here because they're afraid, well, what if we run out? What if I have find something that I want to do with the money? Their dream is so self-centered. They're not dreaming about being a part of a ministry that's changing the world in language after language and, I mean, satellites and TV and all the things that Miracle Channel is doing, for example, or our Spirit Contemporary is doing. They won't even be a part of it. And I want to challenge you. Think bigger. 
Give with more uh, passion. Get up and be involved in something bigger than you. Because big thinkers, they've got to have the right cause. They've got to have the right cause. In John 18, 37, Pilate is saying to Jesus, Art thou a king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus knew his cause. He knew his purpose. If you want to do great things for God, I challenge you, you will die so empty even if you've got a big business. You will die so empty even with a big family if you don't have the right cause. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Leon Fontaine. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.